Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. I am here with apparently, allegedly, a cousin of mine, Taylor Bennett. Um, the truth and the jury are still out on that, but I'm pretty sure we're both related. We're both from a Vols Parish. Vols Parish. A Vols Parish here That's in Louisiana. Right. We've got to be related got some kind of way. Um, we'll do like a 23andMe or like a, a link tree or something like that to figure this out. That's right. Um, but he is our guest of this week's episode of the Patty G Show, which is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Government Taco and Falaya Real Estate. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear a little bit more about them. And without further ado, Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm Appreciate glad. it. Oh, I am more than excited to have you. Any fl- any friend of Flynn Foster is a friend of mine, right? I, you know, I, I think he claims that more than I claim it. But <laughs> Wait, you I'll, think he I'll, claims I'll, you I'll, as a friend? I'll, ta- I'll, I'll take him on as a friend, too. No, Flynn's great. Good, good friend of mine. Oh, absolutely. So for, for those that don't know Flynn, go check out his past episode on the show, and you'll understand why Taylor is making that comment. <laughs> He's a hoot, man. He is, man. He's just like all fun. He's, you know? Yeah, all fun and all game just all the time. And right. who's, who, who cannot love that Never, man? never turns it off, ever, ever. Which is challenging. Yeah, I mean, he's real proud of his Sharknado appearance. Have you seen that? I have that? not heard oh, of the yeah. Shark. Or did we hear? Yeah. Did we hear Little of the Sharknado? I don't, I don't think we heard of the Sharknado sure. experience. I'll have to text him. <laughs> hey, Flynn, man. I just was watching Sharknado and I heard think you it was want. Sharknado. It was one of those. Okay. Yeah, so. so, Taylor, we're, we're here to talk about you, not Flynn. Yeah. I'm sure he'll come up. Um, what do you do, man? Who are you? Who is Taylor Bennett? Man, so I... Um, I, I guess I started in, um, I started MASH about 18 years ago. And I I think that that's become more of a part of me than, than most anything else that people know me for. Uh, before that, I went to school in engineering and at LSU for two and a half years. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, What kind of engineering? I tried them all. (laughs) <laughs> and failed miserably. And, um, and one day I was, I was looking through a survey tool and I, I looked at the guy next to me and I said, man, can you imagine doing this for the rest of your life? And he goes, yeah, what else am I going to do? And I was like, I'm out of here. Wow. And I, I walked off campus and, um, and didn't know what I was going to do, but I, I knew that wasn't it. And uh, dropped out of LSU and, and, and went to uh, work at a coffee shop. And I met a graphic okay. designer there. That's a drastic shift. Big shift. And uh, I met this designer. And I was like, I could probably do this. You know, it looks okay. fun. And and um, and then, you know, ended up going to Savannah College of Art and Design. Okay. Um, finished with a, a BFA and took Bachelor a job. Bachelor in fine, fine arts. arts. Okay. Took a job uh, at a printer. Right after that, making nine dollars an hour, like just printing, like or, printing, you know, booklets and pamphlets and stuff okay. like that. So not even on the design side, just straight no. up on the production side. I took look, whoever was going to hire me, I, that's where I was. <laughs> that wasn't an engineering firm, and you were <laughs> right. not doing surveys, right? Anything that didn't involve math, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I did that for a while, and then and then uh, you know started my design career at uh, a little place called Design Logic. It was me and um, the owner and another designer. And, um, and I really just kind of fell in love with graphic design and creative and storytelling and, 
you know, uh, selling, you know, behind the camera uh, with ideas and coming up with really kind of really out there, bizarre, creative ideas that sold stuff. And really? I was like, man, if I can get paid for this, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving life. And so um, after that, I worked with with one of my mentors, Martin Flanagan, who I told you a little bit about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Martin and I hit it off really well. And I worked there for about four years. And then, you know, I just I always wanted to start my own business um, ever since I can remember. And you had that entrepreneurial itch. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, I got to do it for me. Yeah. Got to do it for what I believe in. Well, it's just, you know, I think some people just have that, that, oh, that yeah. itch, you know? And so, um, I probably started it sooner than I, I thought I would. And, um, you know, one day I just, I, d- I decided to do it. I started at a 10 by 10 room out right outside of my garage and really, and, uh, you know, I had a partner early on who was a great copywriter, just super witty. And um, and we started Mesh. He was working wow. out of like a little spare room and I was working out of a spare room in my house. We were doing photo shoots in my garage. You know, I mean, it was. <laughs> well, and this is early 2000s, right? You said yeah. eight, 18 years y'all have been in business. Yeah. So like 03, 02. 03. 03. OK, so right around there is when you started. So it's. The technology was significantly bulkier than it, it was is now. Not there, the technology was void compared to what <laughs> it is now. I mean, we we um, I remember uh, we had gotten a, a really great job project out of Atlanta, and you know, before everything was digital, they it was a catalog, and they they sent all their their film down for us to look at and we we had to look at every image in a loop wait what oh yeah this is like archaic man wait wait okay so first off so many (laughs) questions here how did you get connected with somebody out of atlanta and baton you were in baton rouge right we were in baton rouge how do you get connected with somebody out of atlanta a two-person show yeah how do you get that connection so my partner's sister heather nichols who thank you so much heather um uh, worked at a, a company up in Atlanta. We did a t-shirt design for this company for okay. their corporate run. And the VP of marketing at the time asked who did this, you know? And, and she said, well, my brother and his business partner. And she said, well, and he said, well, do they do catalogs? Cause we're about to redo our catalog. And she said, yeah, cause we had just finished, um, a, a big boat manufacturer's catalog and um and so yeah that's how that's how we got it and the um, times have changed and we're still they're still a client today so you know that's incredible 18 years so yeah like i'm just thinking catalogs in general i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 funny to see how kind of like marketing has transitioned over 18 years i mean like you said your first first gig was doing catalogs and you're sitting there looking you know through film and through you know images on a reel or something like yeah. I don't even I don't even know what the technology was. Yeah, I just sounded really old. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, it, you know, it has it has changed drastically. You know, and I think obviously everything's online now. Yeah, you know everything. Do they even make catalogs anymore? They do. Some <laughs> we don't we don't really, but yeah, they do. 
Um, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a different world. Everything's so, uh, quick, you know, all social media has made everything almost like disposable, you know? So all of our marketing where we used to spend, I mean, days, months, sometimes years developing campaigns, it's a lot quicker now. You know, you've got to, you got to move really quick and, and put content out there that the brand, you know, people who follow the brand fall in love with. You have to. And you have to just keep, keep going. It's like a machine, you know, to keep, keep generating content and getting, getting really good content out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, beforehand you could, okay, well, develop this catalog or develop this magazine ad or this billboard ad that'll sit there for X number of months or maybe even a year. And that was like your development of the campaign. Yeah. And now for social media, it's like, okay, we need to develop a campaign that we have to generate content every single day for. Yeah. Like it's okay. Our campaign is, you know, like for example, like walk on just came out with an NIL campaign where they're adding on additional players every single week. So you had to do stuff like that for brands. That's okay. Our campaign, you know, is go green initiative or whatnot. Right. Well, we've got to push across the multitude of social media platforms that how we're achieving that or how we're going about executing on that mission. You can't just say, all right, go green initiative. That's what we're doing. Right. Right. Great. (laughs) Right. People got to see it. They got to visualize it. They have to be able to connect the business to the reality of what's actually happening. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that the, that and the measurement that comes with social media and just digital media in general is amazing. You know, I mean, we started as a, a two-man company, mostly developing creative and and really focusing in on branding. And you know, even with everything that you just said, the brand and what the brand stands for is extremely important because that thread has to be told through every piece of content that goes out. And you know, I mean, what we try and do is make sure that whatever that is, that it's something that only that brand can really identify with. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of brands that are kind of hanging their hat on um, causes and things like that, which is great. You know, it's it's really good to get behind that stuff, but not put your whole brand and everything into it. You know, you have to really kind of, you got to be unique, you know, to have people want to follow you. So, um, so, you know, that's really, we focus a lot on that now, a lot on strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about 35 people now in the really? company. That's incredible. It's insane. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I'm thankfully, I have a great leadership team and just a t- great team in general. You know, if I got hit by a bus, you know, I think the company would do just fine. You know, you got I a mean, good bus test in I, place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 changed a lot, but the fundamentals of what makes a brand special has not changed. I mean, right. you got to have that connection, you know. People have got to connect with it, and it's got to be more than just the product. Right. So. And that's I have conversations with people all the time about the difference between marketing and advertising. Right. Which I'm sure you're just running, you know, circles of, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But like from a brand perspective, marketing is, you know, that image, that name, that mission, whereas advertising is like buy this glass. Right. 
Right. You know? So how do y'all go about looking at not only, you know, our ideas and designs around marketing and advertising, how do you kind of go about just, do they blend or do you do them entirely separately? Well, that's a, that's a good question. So, I mean, both are very important. You know, um, if you developed a brand and you put it up on a shelf and nobody ever knew about it or saw it, mm -hmm. then you haven't really done anything, right? Anything great. So what we always look at is, you know, let's, let's develop the brand or at least pay attention. Like if, if a developed brand comes to us, let's make sure that it's in a good place, you right. know, both internally and externally. That, that the people who are working there are sold on it and bought into whatever that belief is. And then the, the folks who are being marketed to are sold on it. So we do some tests and, you know, really um, do a lot of research and, and develop a really cool brand, you know, something that people are going to really fall in love with. And then the second is a go-to-market plan. So, you know, what I, what I find and see a lot is people skip the brand part and mm -hmm. they just go straight to market and they waste a lot of dollars on just stuff that is not really that important, you know, um, that, that people don't really buy into. Uh, usually it's people who are shopping price or something like that. But you have to have a go-to-market plan and you have to buy and place media in the right right places, you know, for those people who are going to be bought into the brand to see. So, um, so it's a, I mean, it's a lot of steps in between those, but that's really kind of the one-two punch for us is get the brand right and then get it in front of the people who, who matter the most, right. you know. And digital is really, I mean... We don't even say digital versus traditional anymore because everything has kind of moved over onto digital. You know, you've got like, <laughs> I mean, we've cut the cord. Most people, you know, are doing OTT, you know, for their television now and stuff like that. And OTT meaning? It's over the top okay. television. I don't know what it means, but <laughs> sounds cool. That's what cool. it's called. Yeah. It's that um, jargon, that lingo that we got to talk about. That's right. Um but, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think it's super fascinating, you know, that y you can, you can send one post out or develop one piece of content and it, it can, it can have a profound effect on your brand one 100%. way or the other, you know, 100%. or somebody else could do it on yeah. the brand's behalf. So, yeah, you could have, you know, they get into the realm of influencer marketing. Yeah. Right. You could hire somebody or pay somebody with that following that, you know, that cult like following that's like just we're going to buy whatever this person does because we love this person. This person has spent the time and carefully crafted and articulated their brand. So we know whatever they present on social media is going to be on point with their brand. Right. And so we're going to support whatever that company is. Yeah. You know, and but it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah. They have to, like you said, cultivate that image, cultivate that that mission statement almost about what they are as a social media influencer, even just a general influencer. Right, right. Yeah. And 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 there there's definitely a place for influencers and it's getting much, much bigger. You know, we're we're bringing influencers into to a lot of the brands that we're we're working with. <clears throat> and the the key is is finding an influencer that matches up with whatever 
the DNA and the ethos of your brand is and making sure that they align, you know, with the values and everything that, that you support as a brand. And, um, you know, you mentioned NIL earlier, and I think that, you know, there, there's a huge opportunity for that. You've got companies like Matchpoint who are here in Baton Rouge who are doing a fantastic job matching, matching uh, athletes up to, to, uh, to brands. Um, it's super important and crucial to make sure that those matches – match with whatever those brand those yeah. brand promises are you know i mean some of the things that we've talked about where that's concerned is matching matching it up with a team you know um or several different players so you don't put all your stock into one but i think it's a fascinating and and really awesome time for advertising when you you're able to bring those young men and women into into uh a, a role to play a role in a brand at that that age it's been a long time coming oh yeah and then being able to help them navigate that space as individuals right i mean influencers <clears throat> they've built their following based on what they do every day so some influencers could be just pure creative content where they make funny they make serious they make you know lighthearted humor or whatever it is they make that content that people fall in love with so they follow them and then on the flip side, you can have somebody who's in sports or athletics and they play the sport. People love them because it's like their favorite player. They love what they do on and off the field. And then as an advertising perspective, you've got to be able to talk with them and say, OK, when you're doing this, you have to maintain your brand and you can't clutter it up with just ads all the time. Right. You can't always sit there with your vitamin water going, hey, buy this <laughs> vitamin water. Right. Every single post because your initial followers were there because of what you did on or off the field. That's exactly right. And you know, it's, it kind of goes back to the, the basic rule of advertising. Mm -hmm. And that is you've got to entertain and you've got to connect with people emotionally. You know, if you don't do those two things, eventually you're going to become white noise, you know, and even, you know, even these influencers, if they're just pointing to a product and not really making it entertaining or telling a story, or, or making it a clever piece of content, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah. You know? it's, so. it's like the, the Super Bowl ads that happen every year. Right. They are spending a lot of money for this airtime. You've got to make them capturing. You've got to make them, you know, just ultimately when you watch them, you're going to remember them forever. Yeah. Doritos have done very great things <laughs> in the yeah. past. I can think of just many, many Dorito Old commercials. Spice. Old Spice has done Tide. Yeah. Budweiser. Like you said, pulling at the emotional strings, the puppy and the Clydesdale, yeah. like that is just an iconic image that everyone who has ever seen the commercial can instantly remember and think of. Like literally when you said pull on people's strings, they're like, oh yeah, Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just when you think about those types of advertising, the type of marketing, you're telling a story. Yeah. But it's almost like you need to have a Super Bowl ad all the time. That's right. You can't afford to have a bland, vanilla, plain advertisement or marketing agenda go out the door because no one's going to pay attention to it because of the fire hose of information we get from social media. Yeah. Yeah. I thought one of the, you talking, talking about the Super Bowl, I thought one of the most brilliant pieces of content several years ago, uh, the lights went out at the Super Bowl. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. And Oreo put out a graphic and a tweet and it said duck in the dark. And it was just like, 
brilliant. You know, I mean, it was just, it was timely. It was done probably right then and there. They were paying attention to what was happening and it was a clever piece of content and everybody who saw it remembered it. So, you know, it's, it's a way of kind of taking the, the tradition of what makes advertising so special and not something that you want to flip through, uh, and then bringing it into, you know, a new medium, you know, and that, that just a really cool example. Yeah. hundred so. percent. I mean, with the ever evolving realm of streaming, whether it be on YouTube for videos you're watching or it be TV. I mean, I don't know if my wife and I are a prime example. We don't have cable. Yeah. We've never had cable our entire married life. I mean, it's short, but you know, we still like when we got, we were like, Hey, we're not getting cable. Right. And we're like, yeah, we're not like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. We don't want to pay for television to sit there and watch boring ads. Yeah. We don't want to pay for television to get there and be sold by something. Now, if you're streaming using Hulu and you're not paying for no ads or you're on YouTube and you're waiting for those 15 seconds to get up, you can skip the ad. <laughs> it's like, how do you create content that does not want, that is not lent to people wanting to skip? Yeah. How do you create something where I'm watching on Hulu or I'm watching on YouTube and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to watch this before I even go onto my video. Yeah. Or it's like, I want to watch this. I'm a click. Yeah. Click here. Yeah. yeah. Click here. You yeah. sold me on whatever it is. How do we get to a world where that's the content happening? But then once we reach that level, it's like another plateau and we have to keep on exceeding those expectations. And it changes very, very quickly, you know, and I've got people who, who work at mesh who are a lot smarter than me, who keep up with, with all that and make sure that the creative that we're doing, you mentioned these ads that pop up on videos, you know, and, and allow you to click through it after five seconds. Well, that changes the way that you develop creative Oh, 100%. because you have to, you have to catch somebody in the first second or two of that ad. Whereas before you had 30 seconds to really kind of tell that story. So, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, and then TikTok, so, you know, that's a whole different <laughs> thing. Just ask my, my 12 year old daughter. I mean, it's, um, it, it's. I mean, that's a great advertising medium. I mean, it, you know, so there are so many different mediums now. Um, I think, you know, like, a, like, like I've said a couple of times, if you hold true to it's got to be good, it's got to be clever, it's got to be entertaining. I think no matter where you put creative or advertising or develop strategy, it's, it's got to kind of meet that requirement and and you'll be successful you know so did you ever think when tiktok first came out you would have to learn it from a marketing perspective from mesh <laughs> well uh no you can be I honest you know so i i'm on you know i'm on all the platforms uh Sometimes it's just for parental <clears throat> guidance, you know, like Checking I'm, out, see what's I'm actually, happening on I'm there. At, yeah. I'm actually on Snapchat. Cause that's the way I, and I, you're I, on Snapchat, well, I communicate with my daughter that way. I mean, she, Wait, what? she won't text me, but she'll snap me, you know? Oh, so, gosh. but, um, so but texting now, is too slow now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she probably doesn't want any record of it, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I'm fascinated by it. You know, I mean, you have to be if you're, if you're in advertising, I mean, it's, you know, I'm an ad guy. I mean, I've, I feel like I've always loved watching commercials. I mean, that I 
I kind of liked watching commercials sometimes more than I liked watching the program, you know? Really? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I just loved, I love, I love the business. I'm so blessed to be involved in, in this business. Um, so I think you just, you know, you have to kind of immerse yourself in it and, um, and just, you know, just kind of ignore the stuff you don't like to hear and see in, in some of these social outlets and see what good it brings to the world. You right. know? And that's really what we try and do with the brands that we represent. It's like, you know, really kind of push them to say, all right, what can you, what can you offer up to, to this great society and world that we live in? So. Yeah, and, it, and I mean, it makes an impact. We've got uh, David Fluker oh, on the LinkedIn awesome. Live saying, "Go Taylor." Yeah, he he's a man. He <laughs> we did some we did some fun advertising for him back in the day. I bet. Did you did you work with him on his chocolate covered cricket? We did. Yeah, <laughs> we we I worked with him on a lot of stuff. I worked I worked with him on some stuff that wouldn't fly these days. But um, <laughs> David David was one of those guys, and they're you know thankful that I've had these clients that have allowed us to really push the envelope, you know, and David was one of those guys. I mean, Martin and and I, when we were working on that account, I mean, we would come up with these ideas, you know, and say, and there's no way he's going to go for this. It's, it's just way too far out there. And we would present it and he, he, you know, kind of, get a little nervous and back <laughs> up and then he'd go, all right, let's go for it. Y'all are the experts. And, wow. and I think I'll say this, that, um, clients that have that kind of trust and belief in, in, um, uh, in the process and in their team and in their agency usually see really good results on the bottom line. You know, if they're with the right agency, um, I was about to say, you just, you just yeah. saying agencies are well worth the yeah. investment there. <laughs> you know, we, um, I, I, one time years ago, we had a client who, um, asked us to put all their products in one ad and it was like seven pr- new products and seven products in one ad. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, that's what I want to do. We're going to do it. I was like, all right. So, you know, we stayed up kind of thinking about it. It was a paver company, like kind of brick pavers that you see on the ground. And the the key kind of differentiator was that it was an environmental product. So in other words, it was environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. It didn't have any water runoff. So we we uh, sketched about five second five minutes sketched what we called the environmental species of North America. And it was seven turtles and the shells of the turtles mimicked each of the patterns of the pavers. Uh-huh. And we sent it into him and he literally called me. He, we faxed it. This was years ago. Faxed we it. faxed it to him. Wow. And he, um, he called me the next morning and, um, he said, what are you doing? Are you trying, are you trying to make me lose my job? Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing here? And, uh, Maybe threw a few, you know, explicitives in there too. Explicitives, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, got French with it. That's right. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he let us run with it, and really? it was one of the most successful campaigns that 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 brand Belgard had ever done. You know, wow. I mean, they. So, yeah, I think that's important. You know, trust in the process and letting letting the creative team really flex. I think that. 
that's when really magical stuff happens for businesses who oh, hire yeah. agencies. So, and you've got, you developed your agency, you did your, your catalog from the people in Atlanta through, you know, your, your cousins once removed, stepmom, whatever the, right. the link, the link is right. And so from there, did you instantly see a growth or was it still a long time coming before you started to say, Hey, maybe we need to bring on somebody else. Yeah. So my, my partner and I, we grew, we grew pretty steady for the first seven or eight years we were working together. And, um, and Brian, Brian Hanlon was my business partner and he was amazing. Um, just one of really one of the best creatives I've ever worked with. And, um, in in 2013, we were about, I guess about nine, nine people. And I really, I was ready to kind of do it for a different reason. And, and my, my reason kind of changed to not just developing great work, but developing skills for the people who were doing the work so that, you know, these guys and, and gals were just doing great work. And so, um, so, you know, at that time, um, I bought Brian out and, um, and, and we really became kind of a mission driven company, you know, in 2013, we wrote a mission statement and it was serve, be authentic and go beyond. We, um, we really started kind of, I guess, mapping out growth and we brought media buying in-house and strategy I brought in um, a few years later, uh, brought in a good friend of mine, Hector Gonzalez, who was my client. Uh, I mean, I, I could name so many people who have who helped during that transition because it was a hard transition. Christina Brown was amazing. Uh, Brooke Dines, David Catois, who's been my basically sidekick for 15 years. Um they, they just, we all just kind of band together and we're like, we're going to grow this thing. You know, I think we can do it for the city. We can do it for Baton Rouge. And, you know, um, we were, we were also seeing really great talent coming out of the advertising, uh, school at LSU. I mean, like superb talent. And so we started bringing on interns and then we got to where we could hire these interns and, and we started, we basically just started growing a company and, you know, it was like, it felt like, you know, a, a real company. And, um, you know, I think being, being mission driven was a big part of that, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that was 13 to, then we moved offices and we, uh, we started seeing some more business coming out of Atlanta and some more opportunities and, and, um, we started gaining some more national accounts and then, um, and then last year was really kind of another big turning point for us. We, right with COVID. Yeah. yeah. With COVID, we all went to our houses except <laughs> for me. I was still at the, I was like, by myself at the office for at least two months. And oh wow. It was it was weird. But um we're like, man, we work really well remotely. And I, I was like, if we if we work this well remotely, why don't we have offices outside of Baton Rouge? And, and you don't need a physical presence 
right. to be successful. I mean, COVID has proven that time and time again. Yeah, it was it was just kind of like one of those things. So it was kind of like a we took a a quick turn in our strategic plan and we we popped up uh an office in Atlanta. I, I basically hired my replacement for creative, uh, Justin Archer, who was with Publicis, one of the big holding companies, and he's uh, really great. And then I brought Will Jenkins on, who's in Austin. So we had those two offices. And then Matt Pruitt, who's amazing, well-respected advertising professional in New Orleans, we brought him on. And I was like, wow, you know, like now we are kind of covering the South, you know. And, and it's even interesting to hear you say when you added one person, you added an office. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we've got somebody in Austin. <laughs> sure, no problem. It's well, like one, one person right. shows up. Well, at that time, nobody had an office. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, he's working out of his house just like you are, you know. I mean, so it was – um it was just, it was a, for us, we felt like it was a right move and we knew that we were going to have to wait a little while for it to really kind of pay off. Yeah. And, you know, when the first surge of COVID kind of ended, I mean, we saw a, a lot of, you know, great uh, response to that, those decisions. And, um, and we're starting to see more and more. And, you know, thankfully through COVID, we were we had some good clients who, you know, hung with us and we hung with them and we, we were partners, you right. know, and that's, that's critical too. I mean, when we work, when we work with a, with a client or a brand, we become their partner and it can't work unless we are their partner, you know, and it goes both ways. Um, yeah, I think so. that is, it's, it's challenging for businesses when they hire somebody like that, I mean, a marketing firm to come in and say, hey, this is what we think you need to do. This is how we would execute it. And this is what we are going to present to you in the form of a plan. And for some business owners, they could be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never envisioned this. This is not what I wanted to do. No, right. let's scrap the whole idea. And I'm sure as you've seen time and time again, you got to kind of sit there and be like, okay, I hear you. Yeah. But you hired us for a reason. Yeah. You hired us because whatever it was that you had in your head may or may not have been working or you didn't have the time to execute on it. Yeah. Why don't we go back with your ideas? Let's make a hybrid version. Yeah. Let's see what can be included from what you've got and what we've presented to you with you to here today. And we'll pick whatever is going to be the best that we think. And then we can circle back around. And then you're either going to get them on board or they're going to say, no, you're out of here. I mean, have you ever had that happen where they said, no, it's too crazy. Get out of here. Early on we did. I mean, you know, not everything we do is completely off the wall crazy. It's usually if I'm I'm involved in it, it w would be. But um, you know, we have a lot of healthcare clients. We represent banks. We you know, but we always try and find whatever that that thing is that that makes people connect. You know, and um, and it's hard to argue with that. You know, once there is that connection. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we've, you know, it's a lot of what we do is, is sell our ideas and, and, you know, on, on the creative side, but we did, you know, we've added strategy and that's helped tremendously because we basically have, 
people on staff who are, who are great consultants who can go in and work with clients one-on-one or as a team and, and work through those struggles and those what-ifs and those doubts and then bring them to the place where they're ready to, to take a risk and really embrace a great brand or a great marketing plan. So it's kind of like, you know, if I went to the dentist and I said, no, nah, I don't think what you're doing is right there. You know, <laughs> I don't think I need a root canal. No, it's, it's right. just give me a filling. We'll call it a day. <laughs> right. I mean, marketing is so subjective. You right. know, it's not like your business where numbers don't lie. But at the some end, clients wish they would. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day. I mean, we're looking to grow companies, you know, and and those numbers don't lie, you know. And so if we're if if we know what those goals are, we're making recommendations and we're making every decision to get to whatever that goal is. And and it's usually a financial goal or a lead generation goal or something like that. So and those numbers don't lie. We either did yeah. our job or we didn't, you know. Have you all ever had any campaigns just absolutely flop and not go nearly Hmm. as planned? That's a good question. All in the past, mind you. Potential clients listening to this all in the past. They've learned from them. (laughs) (laughs) There's one we're doing right now. It's not doing real well. Kind of thinking twice on that one. Um, Let me think. That's a hard one. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, especially early on. I mean, we, I think, I, it's it's hard for me to I, I can't. I mean, I know you're full of 100 percent great yeah, ideas. Yeah. But has there been something that stuck with you that's like you initially thought it was a good idea at the time, but then after execution, you're like, mm, that didn't play out like we thought. That happens a lot, but usually we don't let it get out the door. You know. Okay. Got, there, there you go. Uh, that's a I good mean, answer. We've got. You know, and I mean, there, there have been. Yes, my ideas have been shot down a lot, you know, um, and and I mean, you know, I think any creative, their ideas can get shot down for sure. Right. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think if there was an actual flop. Um, I don't know. I, I might have to come back to that one. OK, yeah. we'll, cir- we'll circle yeah. back. I mean, because it's. I'm sure there is. There, there, there's sure always there's something one time you're like, you know, in my mind, if I do something I'm like, oh, this is going to be like super great. It's going to roll really well. And then like it totally flops. Like now I've gotten to the point where I'll look at something like, okay, I'm really going to enjoy this, which means it's going to flop. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy this. That means it's going to do very well. Yeah. And I have yet to be wrong in either of those. Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. So on, on that note though, how do you, how is your team able to constantly stay creative? I mean, you're seeing what's your ballpark of number of clients that y'all are doing with on a daily oh basis? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, we've got, got a lot, you know, I think altogether over 50, 50, 60 clients, you yeah. know, I'm, um, I'm sure some are in the same field. Yeah. But some may not be. How are you able to kind of keep that creative juices flowing throughout the company? Yeah, I think it, I think it has to do with, um, leadership, you know, and, and, you know, just frankly, like I felt like bringing somebody like Justin in to lead the creative team at, at the size that the team had gotten was, was better than me to continue to do that. You know, I'm a player, 
I'm not a coach, mm-hmm. you know, um, on that level in my craft. And, um, and, and so I think having, you know, he and David, uh, both of our, you know, leads on creative do a great job. Plus we have really good people who are self-starters. Yeah. You know, we hire people who are, you know, kind of have a self-starter mentality who gets super jazzed about, you know, um, seeing their work and really love the craft of what they do. Like, um, you know, we've got, uh, base camp is what we work in. And I saw a message this weekend from Amy Blackadder, one of our, uh, senior designer art directors who had worked on the visit Baton Rouge spot. And she was like, my mom just like sent me a message saying, you know, she saw the spot and how cool it was. And I mean, just, you know, we've got people who take pride in their work, you know, they want to, they want to do good work and, and they work well together as a team, even when it's remote, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the weirdness in our, in our industry is that, you know, we collaborate, but as, as creatives, we have to kind of go into our own space to create and then come back and and bounce it back and forth. Yeah. And being able to do that remote. I mean, I'm sure the last year everyone has learned regardless of whatever industry you're in is how to collaborate remotely. Yeah. You know, and your team is proof to your team is we've got Deborah Lockwood saying Taylor and Mesh are awesome. So clearly (laughs) your team has made an impression. Deborah's great. Yeah. (laughs) She and Steve Hicks have been a great client for a long time. So, yeah, good, so good people. How do y'all go about now reaching out for clients for new work? Um, some of it's word of mouth. Uh, you know, I think bringing on people who have been in the industry and who have, have got a good reputation is, is important to people who have been in the industry for a long time and, and, and who know like that if you refer work to this person and not just me, but any of our, our leadership, um, you know, that that's a plus, I mean, just having a a good team of veterans who have been, been at it for a long time. Also, you know, the, the, the whole company, you know, I think every day has, has a place in new business just by the work that we create. Right. right. And that could be from a business strategy to a PR campaign to a piece of creative, whatever it is. I think we're constantly kind of trying to get new business. And that's that's the whole company's job to do that. And and they do a good job with it because we get a lot of the business we get is referral business, you know. Um, and then, you know, we we we'll, um, if, if there's something that we feel like we can do a good job with on an RFP or that we've got some past experience with, we're, we're going to go after it and we're not just going to throw something together and, and send it off. If we want it, we're going to go after it. So, you know, like visit Baton Rouge was one that, that we went after. I'm from Baton Rouge. I love this city. 
and and I really wanted to make a difference, you know, from a tourism perspective. And we have, you know, right. working with with Karen Alford and her team. So, you Karen's know, great. Karen's awesome. She's she's also been a past guest. Oh, on the really? Show. Man, yeah. It's like back when we did the the porch filming. Okay. Back in my house, we used to film on the porch, which nice. was a whole different ambiance. Yeah, I, I can relate. So, yeah, I mean, as, as a marketing firm, you got to market yourself. That's right. I mean, you have to be able to not only present the work of other companies, you got to present yourself in a way that is attractive to new businesses and say, I want to work with that person. Yeah. I mean, and on that, what have you seen in Baton Rouge? How has Baton Rouge evolved from a marketing standpoint? I think it's, I think it's awesome that the, the creative agencies and different types of agencies who are in Baton Rouge, I, I just love seeing it. You know, it's, um, when, when Mesh was started, I think there was <clears throat> maybe, you know, uh, just a handful of agencies. And now there's, there's a whole lot. And, and I just think that's great. And because it, it just, I think we have, I, I say this all the time. I feel like we have such an amazing opportunity with the, with LSU being where it is and Southeastern Southern and, all these awesome universities around us to really cultivate a very, very creative, enthusiastic place for people to come live and work. I mean, I think that that Baton Rouge is on the cusp of having a creative industry. Really? And so I, I think it's going to take leadership from, you know, not only agencies, but music, you know, um, uh, my, my friend at the arts council who, you know, Renee, um, I, I think all, everybody uh, is trying to kind of beat on that same drum and, and do, you know, we, we got to do it. You know, I mean, we, we have, we have what it takes. We've got this awesome university, like right in our backyard and several others kind of circulating around us and great people coming out of it. And, you know, I'll say, one of the thing, one of the the hardest things for me, and it's happened a lot, is when I've got a all star creative who works at Mesh for five or six years, and then they they want to leave Baton Rouge just to kind of spread their wings and and look and see and find new places. And I think that'll happen anywhere. Yeah. But I think the the our job, I feel like, is to really make this city sticky for the creative community. You know and and make make the the creative people just want to flock to it you know and so that that's what my personal passion was in 2013 when i made the commitment and decision to really build mesh you know so yeah it was how can we attract people here but also retain the people that are already here right because we have an excellent system that is producing wonderful people, whether they're graduating or they're leaving jobs to come here. I mean, last week on the show, we had Rick Patel who came from California to open a business here in Baton Rouge, in right. uh, Port Allen. Right. You know, how do we get that on a grander scale? Right. How do we get it to where Baton Rouge becomes one of those cities, those destinations that everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to leave wherever I'm in to yeah. go to Baton Rouge. Yeah. You know, that's the conversation that we got to have. Yeah. I think it, you know, I think it takes, it takes commitment. Um, you know, it takes more than just, uh, you know, 
civic leadership. I think it takes the business community as a whole doing it. And I, th- I feel like we're in a really good place where that's concerned with BRAC and, you know, some of the other partners who are out there. Um, but we, we're in a, we got, we do have some work to do in, yeah. in selling the creative aspect. We have it. I mean, uh, these folks here, flashbang, flashbang right? productions. Absolutely. I mean, it, every, every time I turn, I'm like, there's, there's another like really great creative group out there doing really fantastic work. And, and we need to start talking about that, you know, cause it's, it's everywhere in Baton Rouge. And I think, I hope we're all friendly enough to be able to band together and do that, you know? So yeah, I think we are. Yeah. Um, I've had plenty of conversations with Adam Knapp. Yeah, yeah. Bragg. He was on the show this year actually. And we were talking about that stuff of what we can, what can we do to move forward? How do we continue to push through this? You know, and it's just one step at a time by business leaders, by civic leaders. And we're all just banding together to do what we can to make Baton Rouge a better place. Yeah. And so with that, we've got to kind of start winding the show down. <laughs> and so we've got four very hard hitting questions we like to all ask. All right. Shoot. What is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Oh, man. I know. Very hard hitting questions. <laughs> Gosh. Did as a kid. Like how old? Whatever, young, young? whatever age, man. What, what is something you did when you were younger you wish you could still do today? Man, I, this is taking you back to Voiles Parish. Let's do it. Let's do I it. used to love to hydroslide. Do you remember? Do you know what that is? Kneeboarding? Yes. Behind a boat? Loved it. Okay. Sk- skateboarding was another one that I did. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever do like the kneeboarding or the skateboarding with the trucks and wheels off through a ditch with a four wheeler? No. Am I the only one that did that? <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that did that? <laughs> Yeah, I you, don't know. You, you go, you, you go down. You, so like for uh, in Big Ben, they've got the big levee that that runs right in between the the um. You got a ditch that runs along the side of the road, and you got the levee that runs in, runs oh, down yeah, yeah. the river. Yeah. And so when the when it rains a lot, those ditches flood. Uh-huh. And so you get somebody on a four wheeler, and you gather a skim board. I used to do it with a skim board in my parents' backyard because the yard would flood, and we just drive around in the circle with the four wheeler, uh, and you'd be on a skim board with a ski rope. And you just be going around. Some people would do it in a ditch. That's awesome. And so you just run down River Road in between <laughs> the bayou and the levee, and you just be in the ditch. That's that sounds like fun. So I like that. I, I like that. I might knee, do that. Knee, knee boarding. Knee okay. Boarding, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. What are uh? I mean, you've been in this business for eighteen years plus years now, working on that. What are three lessons you've learned along the way? Um. You know, I think, I guess. Early on, <clears throat> I, I wanted everything to happen really quick. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> everyone does. I mean, like, I, you know, I wanted it all to happen. And there, there were some things that I probably did too quickly, you know, um, or early on in the business. And, um, and, and it, I think it affected the work a little bit, but probably more so my personal life, you know, just, working 80 hours a week. And, uh, that's probably one, you know, just like dial it back a little bit. It'll come, keep doing good work. Um, you know, on the flip side, you got to work. You get, if, 
if you're going to have a business, you got to work really, yeah. really hard. But I not think the, not the 80 hours all the time. Yeah, maybe 70. May, maybe a little bit more than <laughs> yeah. 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one. You need three, you said? I said just three. Yeah, okay. just three lessons. Let's see. Only on business, right? What? No. Yeah. Whatever three lessons you've learned <laughs> in your life. Oh, God. That's it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be that's just heavy, business. Man. Oh, it's deep. We get deep. Yeah, that's real deep. Um, I think w- one thing that is a definite is to bring. So I started bringing people on more aggressively when I when I kind of switched my mission. I think I think the company would be further along if I would have done that five, seven years before I did it. You know, I yeah. think having the right team around you is is critical. I mean, you know, if you're going to run a real business, you know, making sure that the people that are around you are just rock stars, you know, and, and have things that you don't. And so that, that'd be another one. And I've got it. I'm so blessed to have that man for every, everybody in my, on my staff is just amazing. And, um, I guess the other is when I was, when I was a, like a fierce creative, I would, I would battle with clients, you know, I mean, I, I really Go wanted toe to toe. Yeah. I, I wanted the work to sell, you know, and I think, um, being a little bit more client, um, you know, client centric, uh, early on, you know, I'm, I'm definitely much more that way now. Um, but being more understanding of the client and what their, what the problems they had and, and listening to that kind of stuff and kind of addressing things from a different way, you know, would have been something I would have done differently. Absolutely. I love all three so, of those. What is something you love about Baton Rouge? Man, I, I, Baton Rouge, like I said, I'm born and raised here. I love the people, you know, and that sounds so cliche because I think everybody says that. (laughs) I Um, think just about everyone this year said the people, the culture, (laughs) the food. We have, we got some food. We got, we've got good food. Um, I think that the, the things that you're able to do, like I love the outdoors. I like to hunt and fish and, you know, being that close to, to being able to do that is, is, is amazing, you know, um, and being able to share that with my son or daughter, you know, um, and hopefully years down the road is, is great too. I think we have, we have an opportunity too, in that respect where we can look at, you know, um, all these drainage ditches in Baton Rouge and, and maybe make some recreational, canals for kayaking you know yeah. i know marie constantine's been talking a lot about that and and i think that there's there's a huge opportunity there um so you know i think there's there's some things that that you know we can work on but i love baton rouge man it's like meeting you and you know i mean we'll probably have a connection for for life just because we're here in baton rouge and yeah i think that's what's special about this place it's uh, good people. The, Real good the people. people make up the city, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. They yeah. are a truly, truly great representation of what Baton Rouge is. And then for the final question, what can I do to help you? Man, I I think you just did it. You know, 
Sorry. Something outside of that. It's like the generic <laughs> question. It's the generic answer. Is it? Yes. Oh, damn. It's the blanket answer. Just have me on the show. Yeah. Come on. You know, I think, um, well, never mind. I, I no? won't go there. What is it? What is it? What is it? <laughs> um, I think, you know, if you like what you heard, you, you can, you can, I can guarantee you that it's the truth. And, you know, just pass us pass us business and, you know, um, give us, give us a good mention, you know, if you're around people, I mean, referrals are still how we earn business after 18 years. And I'm sure it's the same for you guys. So, um, but, uh, that's a hard question to answer. It really is. I like it though. I'll have to think about it. I'm going to text you my answer later on. Text me the answer a little later on. Well, Taylor, dude, so, thank you so very much for it's coming a pleasure, on the show. Man. I really appreciate really it. I know it was a little a little far out there when we scheduled it, so I'm glad we were able to make it happen and get you on the show. And I appreciate yeah. you telling your story about Mesh and everything else y'all are doing in the community. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. You um, have a great crew here too. By yeah, the way. no, Flashbang so, kills it every time. Yeah, every every week they're out here just crushing it. Nice, so, good stuff. Yeah, and I thank everybody else for tuning in, whether it be through the audio version or the video version, whatever your platform you're consuming this content. I appreciate it. I know the guests do as well. And a big shout out to the two companies who make this thing possible. That is Falaya Real Estate. They are a local based Baton Rouge born app that are helping homeowners sell their home in a unique way to not only save you money on the closing costs, but also to kind of walk you through the entire process from start to finish. And secondly, Government Taco, as you can see, Flynn Foster is everywhere. He's involved with that business. Jada Cody over there. They've got a special taco of the month. Every month is brand new. Thirsty Thursdays, which means happy hour every Thursday. And my favorite, Margarita Mondays. Go there, check them out. Tell them the Patty G so sent you, and they'll be sure to take good care of you. And with that, y'all, thank y'all so very much for listening to the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I am here with Taylor Bennett, CEO and founder of Mesh. Y'all have a good one.